Hello. Hey. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. I'm Holland. Holland is back, you guys. <laughs> Yay! It's like I never left. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you Crazy. guys. You guys know that we batch our episodes sometimes. Holland was here presenting last week's episode, which if you haven't listened to it, highly recommend. It was an incredible, not even presentation, it was just conversation about death, body farms, I don't know. It was enlightening. I loved it. it was I'm just so... a really great guy. I'm just the best Our guest. death ambassador. <laughs> yes. I just love death. <laughs> Our resident death ambassador. Yes. I love it. So yes, if you haven't listened to it, please go back. If you'd like to listen to any of our other episodes, go to our website at thispodcastdoesnexist.com. Dot com. All of our episodes are there, as are our transcripts, all of our socials. We live on the Instagram and the TikTok, so if you'd like to see if it's there, please go. And there's also a big shiny button that says write in. Please do, because like Holland, you could get featured on our episodes when you write stuff in about your previous places you've lived and spooky things to do there or correcting our lore (laughs) or geography (laughs) any and all of the things all of the above i love the new bit for me personally is waiting to hear what which adjectives you're going to select to describe the button the write-in button because I feel like every week it's like, we got a big, fat, juicy button. We got a nice <laughs> button. You can just, I want to make it as attractive as possible to the, to the, the most beautiful, the cutest button most you've competent ever button you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, you got it's a competent. the Pedro okay? Pascal of buttons. The Red and Lee button. Mulligan button. <laughs> I will press that. Every time. All right. What are we doing today, Emma? Well, we're just going to jump right in, friends. Um, Are we buckling? Are we... Feel free to, if you'd like, if you'd like to pull up the bingo card and play along. I think this one will be fun. I'm not necessarily sure if you'll get a bingo. Maybe you do. But just for you guys right now, Zach Bagans. But... Zach Bagans! Love him, hate him, love to hate him. Want to punch him in the face. Ugh, desperately. (laughs) I second that. I hate, I hate that guy. I so the passion. He's so rude. It's he's yelling. Those poor ghosts just trying to live in the afterlife. He cat calls every single ghost he's ever tried to encounter and has encountered none. No wonder. I'm not gonna come out of some guy's yelling at me, being mean. Absolutely not. No, he needs to be kind. I I I have a f- attract does. more flies with honey. I'm all I'm saying. That's in, not the phrase. In any Whatever. case, apparently he's still on hinge, so go for it, everybody. No, thank you. No. <laughs> so today, we're moving past the the Baganses of it all. We're doing another one of my usual episode topics. Would you like to guess? Because it's no. I will say it's not spooky. No, because you you told me. Oh, what I genre did. It Would was. you like to guess? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to. Here's the thing. I can't keep track of who does what themes. I just remember the themes of the episode. Like, okay. <laughs> sorry. I just hit Shannon with my headphones because I forgot that I had them on. For for oh, for the for the listeners, it was a nice little like jiggle of brains nice in front of me. <laughs> um, let's see. It's not spooky. I'm gonna guess funky little like jackalope style critter. That's a good guess. They are on my list. 
However, this week is a missing person. Oh. But an old-timey missing person. Oh, okay. Which is my vibe. Okay, all right. Like, <laughs> which is what I usually end up in. It, that's in my category. Shannon's category is more recent and very much on the side of, we are still actively l- looking for this person. Please help. Which is good and needs to happen. I am on the side of, this is weird, and I would like to talk about it. So that's what today is. It's cool. weird. And I'd like to talk about it. Get my little time machine buttons rolling. Put Beep. that on the merch. <laughs> it's weird. And I want to talk about it. I'd like it. to talk about it. All right. So today, friends, we are talking about the mysterious case of William Bates. Any knowledge? Anything at all? I feel like it sounds familiar. I haven't heard of this before. I would Google it, except my phone is not anywhere near my person. <laughs> No spoilers. <laughs> I, I just want to confirm. Like, I feel that confirm name actually sounds really like, familiar. So I guess I'll find out. Yeah, maybe. It's taking everything in me not to look at Emma's notes that are on the screen. Because <laughs> I'm not supposed to see them. And you yell at me about spoilering myself. Yeah. Well, it's, very, not, it's like though. right here. <laughs> That's why I'm looking at you so Shannon, intently. For, for reference, Shannon and I are sitting on the same side so that we have. That uh, never happens. As the guest, I get full reign of one microphone. <laughs> I feel very for fancy now. and honored. Yes. For now. For now. All right. So, William Horatio Bates was born, yes, Horatio, was born December 23rd, 1860 to Charles and Amelia Halsey Bates in Newark, New Jersey. Newark. Newark. He graduated with a BA from Cornell in 1881 at 21 and went on to earn his medical degree from Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons four years later. Columbia, that's a good All right, all right, William Bates. (laughs) Fancy, fancy man. Oh my gosh, wait, are the grandmothers coming back? Maybe. Oh my god, what what is your grandparent name? My, like, my, I'm assuming this is a fake name I need. Yes, yes, well. Oh my god, I feel like I can't, I feel uh, like you need to. What's my grandmother name? Grandma Shan. Oh, I thought, no, we had, like, characters. It was, like, Doris. Oh, you were Nona. That's Nona. 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 Oh, man. I, Nona. I feel like you need to, like, this is like being knighted. I feel I'm like Doris. I need to be, like, She's gifted. Nona. As we move through the, the episode, it'll merge. The, the name will come will out. Yeah, they, yeah, will, yeah. they will appear to you. Perfect. It will come. Like a ghost. And they will, exactly. And they will tell you unto their name. Perfect. Because I'm not Zach Baggins. I'm not screaming at them. So they will communicate with me effectively. Exactly. Anyways, William Bates. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> William Bates. He went to Cornell. He's a good boy. Great, a great opportunity. His field was ophthalmology, the study of the eye. I know that. I know oh, that. You make good bank being yes, an ophthalmologist. Does, but they don't take your pupil distance. You have to go to someone else for that. <laughs> Things I learned recently. You have to go to the optometrist. I finally that. got new glasses. She did. She can <gasps> oh, see she now. Did. Well, William was adamant to find a cure for failing eyesight. Good job. Yeah. He published an article in the American Journal of Ophthalmology in 1881 titled Improvement in the Vision of Myopia by Treatment Without Glasses. Myopia is nearsightedness, which is what I have. So you can't really see far away things, but you're perfectly fine seeing things up close. I also have that. Yeah. I just wear contacts. Mm, I used to have that. Fool. Fooling people. Now I can't read that. (laughs) Oh, keep them off. (laughs) There you go. Now you don't have to worry about spoiling yourself. Perfect. Can you see anything at all? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I kidding. see your face. Do you re- did you I ever see your do- face? Yeah. Holland is kind of a blob. 
You fuzzy? I fuzzy. fuzzy. I will say that when you said he was looking for a cure for bad eyesight, I was like, did he not know glasses? I think think glasses were. But then you got to the title of the without glasses. uh, Ben Franklin. (laughs) I think they had glasses in 1860. Yeah. His whole thing was to try and fix any eye ailment without the use of corrective lenses. Mm, so interesting. he claimed in this article that he had successfully reversed seven cases of nearsightedness, though the ways in which he did were so varied between patients based on age and sex. So he did leeches, eye drops, myriad treatments leeches. that didn't seem to correlate with anything that made any sense. It was like he made a whole list of, okay, so this person, I, I did leeches on them. I did this, 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 and this. And then this next person, age 16, female like it was this whole weird thing and it, it every single case he was like they're near sight no it's not on their eyeball <laughs> <laughs> i just gestured like picking up a leech and putting it on my eyeball because i've not been able to process anything else at ms <laughs> since noting that leeches were used from what i could gain from the article i was reading which i will say was basically just a list it wasn't really like an article like sure. it was explaining yeah. anything it was just a list of what he did from what i could glean it was leeching from the vein on your like your arm oh which is supposedly like the closest like the best huh. spot to do it like you would a vein like getting blood from a vein anywhere else so well, good i think re- that's not real because you would still be nearsighted <laughs> I mean, leeching, leeching, uh, yeah, needles and things. That's true. I mean, leeching was a practice for a really long time. That I'm like, how did anybody think that that was? Good? It had everything to do with the humors of the body. Okay, they do still they use leeches. They, they do. Use them yeah. on Grey's Anatomy one time because a guy's hand or they use his, them for wounds. No, his yeah. Nose. yeah. His for nose. blood circulation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then he wanted to keep them. But in in the like bloodletting and leeching were a large practice in the Edwardian period and in the I was gonna say Bridgerton times, but that's essentially what I'm what I'm talking yes. about. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They do still do that in Amish communities. Yes. Uh, but it's not not good. No. <laughs> it it they it can introduce some very bad bacteria into your blood. Yeah. Um, so it would honestly end up usually killing the person that it was done to. Bloodletting was more so just like essentially cutting a wound into somebody's arm into someone's vein and just letting them bleed until they turned white and then stopping the blood flow. And that was supposed to remove the bad humors from the blood so that then you could recover from whatever you were dealing with and you're losing blood. So Often they would not recover well. <laughs> so you're raising. Shannon is raising her hand. Yes, Shannon. Yes. Uh, commercial. Uh, you know how back, I think it was Lake Lanier. We were talking about how we prefer when we do measurements of like, oh, it's 2.5 statues of Liberty deep or whatever. I would like us to come up with a chart instead of calling it like the Edwardian era, the whatever. The what I. I need, like, the Bridgerton era, the, the Pride and Prejudice, like... <laughs> the pop culture... Yeah, the pop culture Yeah, liner. okay, Titanic era yeah. versus, like, Hamilton era. Exactly. Versus, we, need, we need a very Shannon-specific point of reference era. Because it helps me visualize, like, what did people wear? What's their costume? What was the vibe? <laughs> what was the vibe? Were we into What's bustles? the accent? Were we into What's corsets? The... Yeah. Like, what are we doing? I think that's a fair... I think that's a fair ask. Okay. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll workshop it. <laughs> that's all. Commercial okay. over. Thank you. So anyway, yes, the leeches were not on the eye. 
Moral of story. <laughs> Moral of story. No eyeball leeches. No eyeball leeches. In 1883, Dr. Bates married Edith Kitchell, and the two had a son named Charles Halsey Bates, named after both of Dr. Bates's parents. Tragically, Edith died in 1886. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. He remarried Ada Seaman. <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunate nomenclature. <laughs> sorry. So sorry, Ada. And they lived Sorry, a comfortable Ada. life at 50 East 64th Street, New York, New York, just a block or two away from Central Park. He was wealthy and influential, so the new builds near the park were exactly what he and his family required of their station. The row of brownstones remains a luxurious area of New York, and 50 itself maintains much of the turn-of-the-century charm today. So a lot of the houses on that street have been renovated to the extreme or they have had their stoops removed and replaced. And a lot of the, I was going to say gilding, because that's what it is essentially on a book, but like the accoutrement, accoutrement of the outside. <laughs> so all the decorative pieces of the outside have been removed for more modern pieces, things like that. But 50 has kind of remained what it was when Dr. Bates owned it, which is really interesting in terms of just the architecture of that street. Did you go on Google Street View? There was an entire blog I read that this man has gone through every street in New York City and essentially done, this is who lived there. This is the architecture that it started with. This is what it was moved into. He has very limited sources, so I had to do a bit more of digging on my own. I did a lot more digging than I anticipated on this, but it was very interesting. I got very excited and into it, and this man had a wealth of knowledge because he's an architect, so I was like... Great. It's good to have a hobby. I was literally just <laughs> thinking like, wow, we love that hobby for him. Every I'm very street, happy for him. We love that he for was him. Really, he was very informative and very clear. Which what I happens appreciate. when he runs out of streets in New York? Where does he I go I think next? he might move. <laughs> well, Chicago. He, he just starts a, a side blog ranking delis. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Every bodega ranked like, well, him best to worst. Like, well, I was going to look at this house and I needed a sandwich. Yeah. So I, I will say I don't here. know how old the blog is. So I don't know no. if maybe he has moved on to other things. He just repeats. He's like, maybe. these are the updates. Yeah, maybe. new people yeah. moved. Real housewives now. Who's living where? Who's living where? But Dr. Bates was the attending physician at the Bellevue Hospital and the New York Eye Infirmary and taught ophthalmology for five years at the New York Postgrad Med School and Hospital. Dr. Bates is also credited with discovering the use of adrenaline in eye surgeries, which helped Dr. Jacob Abel to find the natural substance produced by the adrenal glands, which we today know as epinephrine, a year after Bates' discovery. So... Bates is pretty prominent in the field, not just in ophthalmology, but also just in medicine in general, because he was doing eye surgeries to help repair retinas and things like that, which is crazy to think about at this time in history. But this is also a weird time in history where it's there's a lot of invention happening and a lot of medical invention happening, which kind of ties back to your whole conversation around body farms and unethical things that were happening in the medical field at that point but i don't have any evidence for that on dr bates's case so we're not going to dig into it i think cremation might have come around during that time like the kind of cremation that we industrialization mm. industrialized cremation because i think someone i don't know that i marked you're gonna have to delete this sorry i don't know that i marked it but i believe that the guy basically was like i want to do it better and faster than what nature can do and so through a series of experiments tried to figure out like the 
the burning temperature for yeah. body. But I think it was in like the late 1800s. That makes that he sense. Was this was this. That's specifically what this time usually, I think, is referred to the age of invention because it's genuinely things are just being spurred along so quickly. Of everyone is kind of working off of each other's experimentation, that at least these physical materials and medical materials are being built upon and built upon and built upon to a point where they're usable. And that's something that during this time period is very prevalent. And not just in medicine, obviously. Like, we have the telephone during this period, and we have steam train. The railroad. The railroad being being much more a traveler thing rather than a, tra- a transportation thing rather than a materials thing of, like, passing coal through and things like that. So... Just an interesting period overall. So, on August 30th, 1902, 41-year-old Dr. Bates wrote a letter to Ada, who was in Newport, Rhode Island, visiting her mother. It read, quote, My dear wife, I am called out of town to some major operations. I go with Dr. Forsh, an old student, to do a mastoid, some cataracts, and other operations. He promises me a bonanza. Too bad to miss the horse show, but I am glad to get so much money for us all. I am in such a flurry. Do not worry. I will write details later. Yours lovingly, Willie. End quote. Aww. That is a wild way to write a letter. That was just like, I like the, <laughs> it's so great to have so much, that feels like a fake letter. Well, while at first blush, this may seem <laughs> an inconsequential letter. Dr. Bates was a wealthy man. What would he need money for? Dun dun. Rich always want more though. Well, I, but it's it's the immediacy of it that seems a little oh. odd. He also never mentioned where he was going or for how long. Mm. When Ada came home and her husband hadn't returned after several days, she began to panic. He hadn't written, and she didn't know where he could be or who Dr. Forsh was. Mm. So she started asking family friends, both in the States and in Europe, to see if he had been in contact with anyone. Absolutely nothing came of this. Dr. Bates was a mason at this point in his life, and so Ada enlisted the help of the local Masonic Society, which had his photos circulated as much as they could around the world. After about a month, a letter arrived from England, reporting a man living in London as a medical assistant at Charing Cross Hospital. He apparently had been admitted there as a patient first, and after recovery was allowed to help the doctors. This feels sus to me, but that's just my own thought. Insert the scene from the Barbie movie where Ken is like, yeah, can I do one surgery? (laughs) No, you're not a doctor, but I'm a man. Also, also the scene of him being like, I just do eyes. I just, my my job job is is eyes. eyes. (laughs) They're like, who are you? My, my job is eyes. It's a common misconception that I'm, I'm a doctor, but it really, my job is just, my job is eyes. eyes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Elated. Ada boarded a ship for England and, eager for a happy reunion, made her way to the hospital. But Dr. Bates did not recognize her. Mm. Quote, I don't know why you bother, madam. We are strangers. End quote. He had very little information about his six-week disappearance, but he did say he had some, at some points, starved because he had no money, though he left behind an American bank account that would have allowed him to live in luxury in London for years. He was described as, quote, haggard, thin, and his eyes were deeply sunken, end quote. Although he remembered nothing of his previous life, 
he reluctantly left with his wife to the Savoy Hotel to rest and recover before returning to America. He recalled a little of what had happened that called him away from New York, a letter asking him to board a ship and perform an operation on someone with a brain abscess. Odd, because he's an ophthalmologist. His job is eyes. It might be, which does happen, that the brain abscess was on the <gasps> frontal, oh, yeah, the yeah, frontal yeah. lobe or on the uh, bottom front of the brain that would then push an eye outward, which does happen. The front bottoms, what a cool man. I, I, as as an aside related to why, commercial break for why you should always get your uh, yearly indoor annual eye exam or however, whatever your like recommended amount is. Um, I know somebody who went to get her annual eye exam. They did the pressure thing in Mm -hmm. the eye and the woman looked at her and said, you need to go to an ER. Right, right now. now. And she yeah. went and she had a very rare brain tumor in her head that she'd never felt, didn't feel it, didn't know it was there. It was only because the person checked her eye pressure. So get your eyeballs checked, friends. Make your appointments, yeah. make a will, and make a plan. <laughs> wow. Put that on the merch. I stand by it. Great. It's, it, it's the same thing the Bone Shaman says. If there's something in your head, go to the ER. Like mm-hmm. if there, if you have a tooth that is hurting more than it really should, go to the ER. Yeah. If you have something that is on your face that is not supposed to be on your face, go to the ER because so quickly infection can set in because there's so little space between your blood vessels and your muscle mass and your skin and your fat in your face that it can so quickly make its way to your brain and ruin you forever. So please, friends, make sure do not sleep on an infection because if you do, you may die. In which case, you should know exactly how you want your body decomposed. Including going to a body farm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Though confused, Ada was relieved to have her husband back in the flesh. She was willing to stay in London for as long as it would take for her husband to recover and have his memory return. Two days later, however, Dr. William H. Bates walked out of the Savoy and disappeared once again. Hmm. Ada took up the search for her husband in earnest, scouring the east coast of the U.S. and all over Europe, but to no avail. Ada died in 1907, clutching a picture of her husband, lost to her and time, it oh, seemed. Oh, that's sad. Pour one out. Yeah. In 1910, Dr. J.E. Kelly, an ophthalmologist, was visiting Grand Forks, North Dakota, at the time, a town of 12,000. While we don't know the circumstances of why he was there or how he happened upon the spot, Dr. Kelly found a small ophthalmology practice being run by a man who looked very much like his friend and colleague, Dr. William Bates. And it was him, Dr. Bates, working under his own name. Somehow, he had found his way to North Dakota and worked as an ophthalmologist for eight years, his family presuming him missing, potentially even dead. Remember, he has a son. Like, his young son, Charles, is just assuming his dad is gone forever for eight years of his life, living off of his father's money in New York City. And he's in North Dakota. (laughs) Just, Just in North Dakota. Just hanging out. Dr. Kelly found a way to persuade Dr. Bates to return with him to New York, even though Bates didn't seem to have any memories of his life there before. 
The entire time he's claiming, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're talking about. I know my name and I know that this is what I do, but I don't remember living in New York City. I remember all the complex medical information, but not... None of the interpersonal my, relationships. Like, did he have a backstory <laughs> of his life in North Dakota? Or he's like, one day I just woke up and I was, my job is eyes and yep. I live here and that's my job. <laughs> I am Knuff. Okay, wait, I have a clarifying question. Did he not remember London either? No, he remembered London. Okay, so so he, so this From is... From the point at which Ada had found him is essentially where his memory began. Okay. He's okay. claiming. So then he just like wandered away and went, did, I mean, did anybody ask him like, where, like, where did you, why'd you wander away from your wife? So he never rec- recovered the recollection of his former life. But when reporters asked, they only ever got a story telling a loose narrative of his wandering around Europe as a freelance doctor <laughs> before settling in North Dakota. That would not be up to board nowadays. Literally, <laughs> that, that's all the information that I was able to glean. There was no, I don't know if anyone asked him like, why did you leave the Savoy? I don't know if maybe there was a moment where he was like, I don't know who I, who this is. I must leave. There was no clarification on that. So the answer is, I don't know. Just get a divorce. I, I don't know. Right? I feel like, like this is all just a scheme. So he, <laughs> one associate wrote, quote, it was as if he had a chunk of his mind removed, like a slice of watermelon chopped away and eaten by an invisible monster, end quote. Which is really... Also, it's a visceral image. Watermelons in the year 1880, that is a... I don't... I feels, I can, it feels wrong. I feel like... It feels anachronistic, but it's not. Watermelons were a huge thing. I feel like watermelons are strictly 1950s and old... <laughs> younger. I don't know why I'm like... It's they the could imagery. Not, it's, the, it's the imagery we have in our heads from watermelons all these advertisements. Invented watermelons. Watermelons in World War One could not be. Could not be real. Well, they, yeah, they That's are. crazy. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's the most unbelievable part of the no, story. My, they ate watermelons? My brain. <laughs> oh, sorry. My brain going, okay. do you think Jesus ever ate a watermelon? <laughs> oh, actually, I think that because I think like bananas, I think watermelons for a long time wore this, you know, the, the whole thing of like everything we eat is actually GMO because we yeah. have, you know, like bread things. It is. Um, I think watermelons are like bananas in that they used to be more seeds than edible. Mm, and were. then they bred them to be edible. So Jesus probably did not eat watermelons. But, but he clearly because seen it. He probably may have seen a watermelon. I don't know if they grew in that region, but maybe. If you play Legend know. of Zelda Breath of the Wild, there are, in fact, hydromelons that exist in the desert. But that is a um, Nintendo property. <laughs> okay, you should ask Clifford about that because he's currently playing <gasps> Oh, he's at last. <gasps> I know what we're talking about at dinner. <laughs> I gotta have a conversation. Okay, sorry. That's for after pod. <laughs> That's okay. So the New York Herald wrote shortly after Dr. Bates's return to the city, quote, in the window of the house at 117 West 83rd Street hang two neat white-lettered signs, the one reading Dr. J.E. Kelly, the other Dr. W.H. Bates, here living quietly with his old friend and gradually building up a practice as he did years ago. Dr. Bates, now 51 years old, is starting his career anew. And they were roommates. I was literally just about to be like, oh my God. I knew you two were going to make The gay show. lovers unraveling. Oh, I just- I just was trying to well, make the vine reference. But if they fell in love, that's also nice. That would be that would be lovely. Sherlock I don't know if it's ha- I don't Watson know if it's true all. because Dr. Bates remarried again. Oh. Oh. I, I mean maybe. <laughs> we don't we true. don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Still could be true. We don't know. And they, they were, were roommates. roommates. 
Dr. Bates remarried again, this time to Margaret Crawford, and had two children, a daughter named Milo, which I love, and a son named William. But while his life seemed to return to some kind of normalcy, his career was taking a turn for the interesting... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> but Q, you need like a soundboard that cues the law and order like, dun, dun. <laughs> something interesting happens. Is that dun, copywritten? Dun. It must probably. be. You can probably find like a, a not make. It's just a different knockoff. Yeah. It's just you two going, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> dun, dun. Half, half, a, half a step up. So in 1911, a year after his return to society, Bates claimed in a medical article that he had succeeded in getting school children with myopia to correctly see things at a distance, recommending a reading chart like those you see at eye exams in classrooms for children to read and practice daily. Which, I mean, in theory, seems okay, but like, all right, I don't they know if you just memorize it. Yeah, yeah. I will say that Justin claims he cured his his eyesight issues by just not wearing his glasses. I'm not inside his brain, so I cannot verify what <laughs> I feel like he and Dr. Bates would get along. You're like, I share a home with this man. Yeah, Justin is my brain. partner. I don't think I said his name earlier, yeah. but that is my my Kirkland brand Pedro Pascal man who I live with. He's not um, three times the size of a normal <laughs> brand. Meeting knockoff Pedro Pascal. Yeah. White man Pedro Pascal. Anyways, yeah, he claims he just he just didn't wear glasses and that then he was he just like trained his eyes better. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I think that Dr. Bates would agree with him that he did it himself, um, as you'll see in a moment. Uh, No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shannon just pulled her glasses down. For two seconds. I think it took a little longer than that. I'm sure it takes a longer time, yeah. In this, I couldn't exist, though. Like, I. You'd be like an invalid. His was not, I don't think his was that bad, if I'm going to be honest. Like, it it was very minor. I mean, I can go without my glasses, but it's not comfortable. I cannot. I wouldn't recommend it. I would not recommend. I don't, I I can't drive without them. Yeah, I cannot, I cannot operate a large, large machinery. So in 1917, Dr. Bates published a new course in eye training that was advertised with fervor in Physical Culture magazine. This magazine was run by Benar McFadden. Nar McFadden. McFadden. Considered a quack and a physical culture fattest at the time. He was a bodybuilder, nutritionist, but like in the most extreme way oh, possible. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I've seen I know the type. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he um, would wear a continuous glucose monitor. He would. If he were genuinely, alive today. Genuinely he would. So fun fact. He'd probably be promoting a like meat only diet, carnivore yeah. diet. It genuinely during this time that was something that, that was promoted history is just a big old it's cycle a, it's just time cyclical. is a circle everything's cyclical so fun fact his real name was bernard mcfadden m-a-c-f-a-d-d-e-n is how er, yeah how he spells it himself but he changed his name to bernard mcfadden from bernard mcfadden without the a because he considered bernard to sound like the roar of a lion and Mac was more masculine uh, to give him the appearance of strength on paper. And I wrote, I think I'm funny. Real cold, my dude. Truck nuts on a Saturn. (laughs) There's also actively a human being on TikTok who is this man. Like, he like literally calls himself the lion man, like, or something. Oh, I've seen him. Yes, he just like eats raw meat. He's a total hoax. Absolute quack. It's bad. Looney Tunes Wild West character out there. But like. It's bad. Again, truck nuts on a Saturn. 
guys, Bernard. It was two Bernard. R's. You know what R's. I say to Bernard? What? Nar. Nar. <laughs> So, eventually, Bates's name was removed from the ad, but a correspondence course was still conducted through the magazine following his eye training steps. The American Medical Association deemed it a dangerous course of action to pursue to correct eye issues and strengthen the eyes. In 1919, Dr. Bates started publishing his own monthly magazine called Better Eyesight, quote, devoted to the prevention and cure of imperfect sight without glasses, end quote. This also was criticized by medical institutions. What does he have against glasses? So he calls them eye crutches. <laughs> wow. Me Cancel my, that man. Me my new eye Cancel him. What an ableist douchebag. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He call, he considered them eye crutches. And Hashtag William Bates is over party. It, it was like, <laughs> it was as if people were like too weak. They weren't trying hard enough. Pull yourself up by your eyeball bootstraps. Pull yourself up by your retinas. Wow. Also, not Holland making a Taylor Swift reference. What? The hashtag. Oh, that's like a K-pop. That's like what K-pop stands do when they get mad at people. Yeah. It was a. It was a Taylor Swift thing for a while oh oh that was born out of the k-pop stands on twitter when they would get mad at celebrities would go after them and do that figured it out yeah yeah i mean also they're all just stealing from the classic folklorist teaching me new things on my own well to give a quick rundown of what bates believed in truth, all refractive errors in the eye, like near and far-sightedness, are clinically due to the eye shape and basic anatomy, which there is no clear evidence that exercise can alter. However, <laughs> blinked so hard. <laughs> however, Bates thought that these conditions were due to muscle tension surrounding the eyeball, which would then cause the eyeball to retain its shape as the incorrect shape. Physical exercises, such as shifting or swinging the eyes back and forth, could help with this tension. He also believed that sun gazing, visualization, and palming the eyes, which is essentially covering your eyes with your hands and lightly pressing, could ease the mental strain on the eyes, which he believed was the most common issue with eye impairments. Essentially, it's in your head. I do sometimes just, like, take my glasses off and just, like, press my so palms the, into my eyeballs. The pressure itself isn't what is bad because it's not going to do much harm to you it's more that he he put it into a systemized set of steps that are meant to help improve your vision so when people would do it he was writing down essentially are you seeing true blackness or are you seeing like a kaleidoscope of of lights and colors and things which majority of us will see the kaleidoscope of things because it's just your the light that's uh like, you know how sometimes you see a shadow behind your eyes yeah. and you stare too too long at something that's in the light? It's, it's that. It's like reflecting within your own eye. So a lot of people, when they close their eyes, especially after looking at something for a while, you'll see like a little kaleidoscope of things. But after a while, that wears off because your eye has no more light to reflect and... There, I mean, it doesn't have light to reflect in general, but like that image is, is no longer impressed upon your eye. And so you can kind of see what is essentially true blackness. For him, being able to see that true blackness was what you wanted to aspire to when your eyes were open in order to rest your eyes. So you could visualize that true blackness and rest your eyes in order to make it so that they do not strain, so that that tension around your eyes goes away, and then your eyes correct themselves and you no longer are nearsighted or have glaucoma or cataracts. 
You know what I think would also really be effective is if you just pop your eyeball out, reshape it in your hand like some Play-Doh, and like pop it back <laughs> the in. Guy on Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, I think that was also should go in his magazine. No, I gotta do some eye crunches so I can get rid of my <gasps> eye crunches. <gasps> <Yeah>. you just, <laughs> he's blinking really. Say hard. that once again. I gotta do some eye crunches to get rid of my eye crutches. <laughs> it's so <laughs> silly and I love it. Ugh. Well, for him, most eye illnesses were psychological rather than physiological. And his therapies were rooted in that idea, like I described about the visual blackness to rest your eyes. And when you did this, he said you could alleviate the symptoms of double vision, refractive errors, crossed or lazy eyes, and even cataracts and glaucoma. He also considered his, quote, perfectly remembering black method of relaxing the eyes to be a good substitute for anesthesia. Bro. I'm sorry. Essentially, meditate yourself into a state where all you see is black and you will feel nothing. Oh, my God. I would not want to be any of his three wives while I was on my period. Like, imagine him being like, you're fine. You're faking. It's all in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So he totally had a mojo dojo casa house. Yeah, he it, it's just eyes. His job is just eyes. I am learning the patriarchy. It does bring me a little bit of comfort, I guess is a weird way of putting it, but that like solace. Solace that like the women of the 1917 years and eras were also dealing with the same tom like the literal same tomfoolery the same men being like i want my name to sound like a lion's roar and i'm changing it to mac because that's more masculine and another man being like you can just meditate all pain away yeah and you're totally fine like wow glad glad we have all suffered the same the same men all of our lives dr bates would be into crypto Yes. Oh, for sure. Yes. Dr. Bates would have been anti-vax mm. also. And he would have ex- tried to explain Bitcoin to every single person he knows. Yes. As if he were the like upper echelon of the people who know what's happening. Yeah. He probably would have been like, bleach definitely works on COVID. Oh, yeah. He'd Absolutely. be really big on X. <gasps> oh, my God. He would love Elon. Yeah. Bates and Elon. Oh, yeah. Big, big, big energy. Twinsies. So in 1920... Bates self-published a book of all of his theories and therapies titled Cure of Imperfect Eyesight by Treatment Without Glasses. Yes, he self-published a medical book. Let's just let that sink in for a second. Because no one wanted to help him publish. He had to publish oh, only why. on his own dime, which he had a lot of so he could do. Although there were quite a few followers of the Bates method, as it was coined at the time, and even a few today... It is still highly controversial and considered dangerous to practice most of the therapies. Weirdly, Aldous Huxley, author of A Brave New World, started using the Bates method to improve his own eyesight, which he had dealt with all his life as horrible. He wrote his own book about his experiments and experience with the eye exercises called The Art of Seeing, which was published in 1942 and did very well in circulation. Bates's book was republished and abridged in 1943 as Better Eyesight Without Glasses, which removed quite a bit of the more controversial therapies, like looking directly at the sun. <laughs> Let's not forget that was a component of oh this. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Donald Trump is just practicing the Bates method. Like, during the solar eclipse, he yep. was like, no, I'm going to look at it. Also, not a surprise. No. Birds of a feather. No. Again, they're the twinsies. A 2005 review of 43 studies using these eye exercises found, quote, as yet, 
there is no clear scientific evidence published in the mainstream literature supporting the use of eye exercises, end quote. So baseline, guys, don't. Like, it's not going to hurt you if you do the, like, I'm going to look this way and then this way, but it's not going to fix your eyesight. Please don't look directly into the sun. And please, if if you so choose, get anesthesia during surgery. <laughs> if you choose to. I mean, we can't tell you how to live your life. I can't but... <laughs> because there are some dental surgeries where people opt not to use local anesthesia, and that's fine. You can deal with it yourself. That's okay. There are some people, too, that believe that anesthesia while giving birth or, like, any kind of local <gasps> oh, anesthetic yeah, yeah, while yeah. giving birth or any kind of – what is it when they put it up your spine? Oh, epidural. Epidural, epidural is uh, – it's just not their thing. A lot of times it's because they sure. want to have as, mo- as much of a natural birth as possible. However you give birth, that's your thing. However, if you are having, like, I don't know, a hysterectomy or a heart bypass, maybe get put under. Just, you know, I don't think you're going to survive if you if you uh, stay awake because the yeah. doctors need you unconscious in order to keep your blood Still flow stable. immobile. Yeah. Your heart rate not spiking wildly as you black out from pain. Exactly. So um, just trying to make sure you don't die is what we're here about. And if you do, we have possible solutions once again have you ever heard of a body farm (laughs) i was just gonna say i can't wait till my next i refer to them as my blind bitch appointments um (laughs) because they go and they dilate my eyes to make sure as a diabetic like that no bad stuff's happening and then i can't drive myself so jenna 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 helped you last yes shout out to jenna drink some water put down the diet dr pepper but now i want to be like hey dr julie have you ever heard of the Bates method? Oh, I would love to hear a, re- like, a live reaction. While we're sitting yeah. here waiting for my eyes to dilate. Like, Let's just yeah. chat, shall Can we? Can you talk into this microphone, please? Yeah. Can we get some live reacts? You're going to go on a pod. I would, lo- I would love a, a like currently working optometrist or ophthalmologist to be like, yeah, so we learned about this. Or maybe they don't know anything about it at all because it's, it's very like – out there it's very alternative medicine Quackery. yeah so it might be something they haven't even heard of because there's no reason for them to but in any case he he went a little off the deep end it's fine he didn't hurt anybody so far as we know which is good but it, get your get your eye appointments people so after his wife margaret passed away in 1927 Dr. Bates found comfort in his longtime personal assistant, Emily Learman. <laughs> Shit, you I were disappointed. Hoping for the, disappointed. Hoping yes. for the, what is it, As Kelly? Was I. Oh, no. Yeah, and unfortunately, another woman. The pair married in 1928, and in August the same year, Dr. Bates's eldest son, Charles Halsey Bates, disappeared. What? He wasn't heard from ever again. <gasps> oh my god! Plot twist! After a year, it truly is. It this truly is truly is. a it's, winding it's journey. Weird. Guys, that's why when I was like, it's weird. And I want to talk about it. Because there's, I've never heard of this before. This is crazy. It's wild. So after a year-long but undetermined illness, Dr. William Horatio Bates died on July 10th, 1931. He did, however, remove his eldest son from his will. The following is a quote from Michigan's Lansing State Journal on August 20th, 1931. Quote, Upon an order signed by surrogate John P. O'Brien, heirs of Dr. William H. Bates are directed to show cause, September 28th, why his will, cutting off his son, Charles Halsey Bates, who disappeared from public view in August 1928 without a penny, should not be admitted to probate on that day. 
The estate left by Dr. Bates, who himself disappeared twice from public view, is estimated at about $20,000 in personal property. Mrs. Milo Bates McComb, daughter of the famed doctor and the wife of Charles E. McComb of Lansing, Michigan, said Thursday afternoon that she had not as yet been advised of the New York order. Advertisements seeking to locate the missing half-brother will be published in New York newspapers for 21 days. End quote. So Charles never reappeared, and it is assumed that Dr. Bates's estate was dissolved among his remaining children, which is Milo and her brother, William. I couldn't get any information about whether or not William was still living, the other brother. I couldn't get any information about Milo or her family past a certain point. So I don't, I genuinely don't know what happened with the probate. Essentially what that article was asking or what that article was saying was that all of his children who were listed as heirs had to you know essentially hear the will read and take what was theirs and if there was any contestation because it's known that he has a son who is left out of the will he must come forward to contest it and that will should not be put into probate because of the contestation and then Mm. that would go further so essentially it was asking for hey if you're out there let us know you got 21 days to show up exactly but he never did So, while there is no clear theory on what happened to Dr. Bates, the most common is what his obituary referred to as, quote, a strange form of aphasia. This condition is usually limited to affecting the ability to communicate, not memory. What was probably meant was amnesia, which is an episode of memory loss. However, according to the Mayo Clinic, quote, though forgetting your identity is a common plot device in movies and television, that's not generally the case in real-life amnesia. Instead, people with amnesia, also called amnistic syndrome, usually know who they are, but they may have trouble learning new information and forming new memories, end quote. So while this may explain Dr. Bates's missing time and his falling back on his medical knowledge while in London, it doesn't explain how he doesn't remember his own wife or who he was and his life in New York City. Another theory is a dissociative fugue state took over Dr. Bates. In this state, a person loses their own autobiographical information and often aimlessly wanders to find themselves in an unexpected and often unknown place. However, this fugue state is reversible, and victims of it recover their memories and personality in full. It is also incredibly rare, occurring in only 0.2% of the population, yet it seems to fit better than plain old amnesia for the years he was away from New York. But... He still claimed to never remember his previous life, though he continued to practice medicine. If this were true, his eldest son was lost to him far earlier than his true disappearance in 1928, which is just sad. Fascinating. So the those are the main theories other than he made it all up and essentially ran away from his life, only claiming memory loss when he was caught get a divorce (laughs) talk about trashy men (laughs) truly but there's little evidence of a motive for this he was wealthy there didn't seem to be a reason he would want to leave new york or his marriage and unless he was very secretly in debt it makes very little sense why he would disappear to london and then disappear again to north dakota and then just waltz back into his new york life yeah yeah could he i mean could it have been like like did dissociative identity disorder i don't know like where it's like he fully just had this, like a traumatic event happen that switched him to a different 
created an altar that then spent the rest of his life as. I think that's a fair theory. I don't think that that's something that anyone's ever explored. I also don't think that this case is something that anyone's really digging into. It's just weird. And it's so far away now that there's not a lot of people to talk to about how he was. There's also not a lot of information about himself and about his family, regardless of what I tried to dig through the internet for. I even looked through like medical record or not medical records, birth certificates and and death records and marriage records and things like that, trying to find some evidence of like when when people died, when people were married, like who they married and where they were living and stuff like that. It was really hard. Sponsored by Ancestry.com. Just kidding. <laughs> I would love that. I need some information. But there's also, because North Dakota is where he uh, was for eight years, the University of North Dakota has a whole section in their special collections. And by section, I mean they have a box filled with all of the newspaper clippings at the time of his disappearance and his reappearance in New York City or in North Dakota, to then go to New York City. So um, I couldn't access it because it's not digitized, but the fact that they have it is interesting. you got to add North Dakota to your podcast road road trip. trip. Yeah, I missed it when my cousin and her wife and family were out there because my wife's... My wife. You're my wife. (laughs) Hello. Hello. My cousin's wife is a missileer, and so she was working in Mm. Minot, North Dakota, um, and I missed my opportunity to go out and visit them because otherwise that would be a great opportunity to go to the university and be like, hey, I would love to see this box. They also moved from Las Vegas too, too quick before I could go to the Haunted Museum of Zach Bagans. Mm, it's okay. <laughs> I'll make it there one day. I will make it there one day. But this theory of him making it up is the most plausible the DID theory is not something that I heard. I think that's also plausible because there are people that essentially have to live in those altars for a very long time. I don't know if eight years would be it. I don't know if maybe he was there was some kind of trauma that was continuously happening to him. I don't know. There's so little information about his time away. But it maybe could... staring into the sun did something <laughs> to your brain. <laughs> Maybe. It could also be that it's a mix of all of these things. If he liked the idea of getting out of his own life for a while and happened to get the taste of it while in a dissociative fugue or something, that the thing that sent him into that fugue, then when he was pulled out of it, he went, you know what? I kind of like where I am. He could have pursued it thinking that he could get away with it for as long as he wanted. And maybe that was freeing in some way. I don't know. There, it, it's It's weird purely in the sense that he had the money to do whatever he wanted, regardless. Yeah, and that, that to me feels like the the one hook on the, I am, this is all a, like a ruse I've done. And I want to get away. Yeah, is the fact that like Dog did not take any of his money, right? They found him starving in like broke. Yeah, he was penniless. emaciated. It wasn't like he hadn't. Like, that he had lied and been like, oh, I've actually been eating really well, but I'm just not going to tell them. He was not good. Yeah. And I feel like if he's the kind of guy who fully is like, I want to abandon my wife and just run away and ignore her, that to me conflicts with the like, I'm also not going to touch any of my wealth that I have in the States, right? Like, I feel like he would have, even if he had not accessed it immediately, I feel like he would have 
attempted to access it once he needed it, as opposed to just letting himself, you know, get into such an awful state. Like, I just, I feel like men are going to be trash, but I feel like trash men also have a a pattern of, well, you know. He he didn't seem like trash before this, is the thing, is he was very... But he was considered, he was considered a very important person within his field. He was very revered within his field. He had a son. He had money. He had a wife who very obviously loved him. And I mean, we don't know anything of the actual context of his real life. But it there's just so little that seems like, because he only got weird afterwards. Yeah. Maybe it was also head trauma. Like maybe, maybe he was in fact kidnapped or like put in like a, <laughs> like under duress, taken with this weird note that does not yeah. write like somebody from Cornell. And no one Columbia. ever, and no one ever figured out who Doctor Forsh was, or if they did, it was listed nowhere. No one questioned him. No one asked. Yeah. So like maybe he was kidnapped or something, and then somehow escaped ended up in London, like if they take him on a boat, kidnap him or whatever, and then, or like, whatever, maybe something happened at sea. Maybe he just had like really intense head trauma that they wouldn't have known what to look for at the time in an autopsy, if they even autopsied him. And he had some kind of head trauma that resulted in partial memory loss, but also head trauma leads to weird personality Mm -hmm. disorders and personality shifts. Like that's a really common symptom. So maybe he had something happen where he got whacked on the head really hard. Yeah. Did in fact forget a whole chunk of his existence. But I feel like if he's a doctor and knows like that, this is the thing he does. He probably, some of that's also probably muscle memory that he remembers and retains. I don't know anything. I'm not a scientist. I'm not in charge. But but it's like, I don't know. It's so weird. And guys, it gets a little bit weirder. (gasps) We're not done? We're not done. Oh my god! Now, while I was researching this, I bumped into a few interesting issues. Particularly the number and names of Dr. William Bates's wives. (gasps) Remember the second wife, Ada? Mm -hmm. Ada Seaman Bates. (laughs) That's her full name. Forgot about that. Yep. Well, there's only one source that claims her as his second wife. An otherwise well-researched mental floss article. Everything else in there checked out from all of the original sources, all the contemporary sources I found. In every other contemporary newspaper article and source, Dr. Bates only had three wives, Edith, Margaret, and Emily. I did some more digging, which led me to the discovery that Ada Seaman Bates was listed as an alum of the Women's Medical College of the New York Infirmary for Women and Children in 1892. So she herself was a doctor. Her address in the 1916 annual report for the infirmary was listed as 50 E 64th Street, New York, New York. This is the same address that has Dr. William Bates as its first owner. However, Ada is listed to have bought it in 1916. She is also listed as an attendee alongside W.H. Bates at the meeting of the section on ophthalmology at the American Medical Association's Atlantic City meeting on June 5th through 8th, 1900. She, this doesn't seem like a coincidence, but then why is she not listed among his wives? And why does, she, why does the story say she died in 1907 when she very clearly lived beyond that point? I could find no... <laughs> Oh my god. 
It's so weird. I could find no clear evidence of who Ada was, no marriage or death certificates in the state of New York, and there seems to be no other ties between the two of them. Potentially a lover or a mistress who was also a doctor, but then why would she have the same last name? And like, it felt like this was her legal last name because it's listed everywhere as her legal last name. Well, it's not uncommon. It's not an uncommon last name. It is very weird that they would be attending a conference together, both be ophthalmologists and live in the same home, albeit a few years apart. That's weird. And also, just as a weird side note, his son that disappeared also disappeared in August, around the same time that he disappeared in August, all those years before. So that's the weird shit. On this side, you guys, I spent two hours this morning from 7.30 a.m. until 9.30 a.m. just digging into all of these records because this was, a, it's the first line in this, in this Mental Floss article that I was like, wait a second, I read his obituary, there's only three wives, and Ada is not one of them, what is happening? And then I could not find her, and where I did find her made it obvious that they knew each other and were connected, but she is not listed anywhere. And she's the one who found him. She's the one who found him, supposedly. Or if they're, because they do tell the obituary, they do tell the story in the obituary, but they do not name the wife. They say second wife, but he married Margaret after he came back. Bruh. (laughs) My, it's, this is that like, the the meme of the woman with the math equations around her being like what 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 like I'm like it did Ada do it but then wouldn't somebody but then they weren't like ma- would she have helped him disappear from him from his life for that long but then why would she go find him and he'd be like I don't know who you are was it that to solidify their story and then she went back to New York but then why is it said that she died in 1907 was she taking care of Charles and then she decided to fake her own death and then decided to use her name to buy the same house that she used to live in with him that makes no sense what is this never mind i was going <laughs> that was so quick <laughs> no i was going to make a reference but it would spoil something for you that i don't want spoiled oh, okay that's okay well let's let's finish this up because whatever happened to dr william bates i think we can assume that he died with his secrets That said, here's a quote from him. Oh, no. (laughs) Quote, the fact is that, except in rare cases, man is not a reasoning being. He is dominated by authority, and when the facts are not in accord with the view imposed by authority, so much the worse for the facts. In the meantime, the world gropes needlessly in darkness and endures much suffering that might have been avoided. End quote. It just, it feels like something he left on a blog and went, I'm a genius. <gasps> I was literally thinking that. I was like, this is a man who thinks he's so dang deep and he needs to, get, he needs to go touch some grass. Mm. Touch grass, Bates. Yeah. So, guys, that is, that is the end. That is the disappearance. Weird We're wildly unfulfilled. <laughs> the weird Welcome circumstances of William H. Bates. It was a wild ride. I was reading through, because this is. Just to give you a little bit of insight about how I do my research. Yeah, your notes look wildly different. Yeah, they do. Our notes are very... I I very much write a script for myself. Shannon is much more bullet points and uh, we'll talk around it kind of thing. But when I am picking... (laughs) When I am picking a topic... I have a list of uh, suggestions that people have given. Thank you. Please and thank you. Uh, If you have any more, send them. Feel Mm -hmm. free. I'm racking, stacking them. It's very fun. I really like to do the ones that you guys want us to do. It's truly 
awesome to dig into those things. But for this one, I was, I wanted to do something that was a little bit different because I didn't, I didn't want to do another cryptid. I love a cryptid, but that was my next choice was a cryptid. And I was like, I got to break it up. So I just typed in weird missing purses cases old. <laughs> Listen, we love a boy, boilian search. It's, it's all, it's <laughs> all I needed to bring me to a whole listicle. And one of them was Dorothy Arnold, which we have already done. And there were a couple more in there that I recognized, like the Beaumont children. It stopped at William H. Bates and it said he came back. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> I want to read more. And there is a Wikipedia for him. But most of it actually comes from the Mental Floss article. So I just went to the Mental Floss article and read through it. And it was just it, it genuinely wild ride. Genuinely wild ride. So um, thank you for letting me talk about it. I did not anticipate having eight pages of notes, um, single spaced, 11 point font. That was eight pages? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you very much. That was so much fun. <laughs> I'm so confused. Yeah. And I don't know what's what what is happening. If someone has access to ancestry.com, ma, ma, if you have access to ancestry.com, <laughs> can we get a DNA sample from William Bates right now? I need something to help solidify what is happening. Eight months from now, your mother's going to text you and be like, "Oh yeah, we have ancestry.com." I mean, then I do an update. It's fine whenever you get to it, ma. But like, wow. Yeah, the, that was wild ride. Thank you for letting me talk about it. Any thoughts? <laughs> I, I, uh, head empty, that, no thoughts. Yeah, I j- head empty, uh, I, one thought, confused. Yeah. <laughs> Emotion wheel, confusion. Yeah, I just don't understand. I, there's just a lot I just don't understand. Like, and I feel like there's not enough. I want more information. I want someone who's like a William Bates expert to pop up and just be like, I want a TikTok that's like, hi, my hyperfixation is William Bates. Let me tell you every single thing about him. And I have weird access to all these like internal documents of universities and I can tell you all this stuff. He's my great, 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 great grandfather. Yeah, I I am William Bates Jr. (laughs) My father disappeared after his father disappeared, but I have returned. I would I would love that. And if that doesn't yet exist, if none of you can find that, um, I volunteer once I have access. <laughs> this is also just a reminder that it used to be so much easier to, to disappear. Just, like, disappear. <laughs> I was thinking about that the whole time. I was like, yeah, like, he's do that nowadays. out in North Dakota and doing whatever the fuck all he wants. And his family's just like, oh, he's gone. We don't know what happened. No one can tell us anything. And he's just like, in North Dakota. Telling yeah. people to stare at the sun. You can't do that shit anymore, you Telling know? people probably to stare at the snow that then that reflects the yeah. sun off into their eyes. I hate that. I bet you he doesn't believe in sunglasses. No, they're crutches. They're crutches for the <laughs> eyes, and you can't look at the sun. How dare you? Oh, my God. I feel like all of us are just soaking it in. Yeah, I, li- right I feel now, like I'm just letting the information. Wa- I don't, because I'm like, it's I'm so, like it's so unfulfilling, because it's like, well, everybody's either dead or missing. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, and just <laughs> like, I'm show. like... Wow, you know what? I would love if if the great narrator of the universe could come in and just tie this up with a neat little. But where's my epilogue? Where's Meryl Streep or not Meryl Streep? Who was it? Helen Mirren. Where's Helen Mirren when we need her? Yeah, where's Helen Mirren narrating this man's life, giving us a good little cocktail hour in heaven? We just gotta go and be like, yo, what happened? That is my one question at the pearly gates before they send me right back down to hell. Is Is William Bates? People are. Can I can I speak to William Bates, please? Can I just have a conversation real quick? And they're like, like, dude, he's down there. They'll be like, Which oh, one? great, cool. H- hit me up with what level of hell he's on. I can go chat him up. Yeah. 
William down. Horatio Bates. <laughs> I'm so, sorry I I'm so sorry I interrupted that. That was too good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh, I think we just got to call I it. I think we do. Guys, please, we love you. Remember, this podcast doesn't exist. Beep. <laughs> it's the elevator going down. <laughs> going down. down. Ding. This episode was researched, co-produced, and edited by Emma Kylie. Co-produced and marketed by Shannon McCarthy. Our theme music was composed and performed by Tom Emsley-Smith. The mailbag theme music was composed by Liam Kylie. <laughs>